Father, we ask you to add your blessing to the reading and the preaching of your word this day. Lord, we long to hear from you as we celebrate the first coming of you, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in whose name we now pray. Amen. You may be seated. Question. Does Christmas seem awkward to you? Does Christmas seem awkward? Rhetorical question. Does Christmas seem awkward to you? For some, this is the most wonderful time of the year, right? It's one of my favorite times of year. I love just about everything about Christmas. I even love what most people don't like about Christmas. I like it because it reminds me of Christmas, which points me back towards Jesus. That's just me. I love the lights. I love the glitter. I love the smell of pine. I burn a Yankee candle, mistletoe candle every year like it's my job. I love Christmas. That's not the case for everyone. That may not be the case for you. Does Christmas seem awkward to you? For others, uh, it may not be the most wonderful time of the year, and that's for a variety of reasons. There are some who uh, loathe this time of year because it's one of the hardest times each year. Perhaps it brings back a memory that they are not fond of around Christmas time. Perhaps all the, uh, all the talk of family and friendship is very hard for someone who has very little, if any, family around or someone who is perhaps very lonely in life. For others, particularly if you're not a believer, Christmas might seem a bit awkward. Let me see if I can explain it this way. Perhaps you're familiar with the term Christmas truce. This was an unofficial ceasefire that took place just a little over 100 years ago along the western front of World War I. And in the weeks leading up to Christmas, soldiers from both sides reportedly crossed trenches to talk to one another in what was proverbially referred to as no man's land. So that's French, British, and German troops would exchange greetings in a civil manner and just talk in the weeks leading up to Christmas. Perhaps you're familiar with some reports of them playing football together, a friendly game of what we here in the States called soccer, but between troops of opposing armies. Now, on the one hand, that's very nice, right? I mean, heck, it's Christmas, right? On the other hand, that's really, really awkward. I mean, heck, it's a war, right? So I, I don't mean any disrespect, but playing a friendly game today and shooting at each other tomorrow is at best awkward, Maybe Christmas just feels like an awkward truce of sorts, an unofficial ceasefire in your life that takes place once each year around this time, and for you, at best, it is awkward. Maybe it seems something like this. Sam Dubose mistrial. Donald Trump versus Hillary Clinton. Russian hackers. Black Lives Matter. Pulse nightclub. Hurricane Matthew. Zika virus, terrorist attacks in Belgium, North Korea's nuclear test, number five, private email servers, Syria, Flint water, not to mention whatever is going on in your personal life with your health and your job and your kids and your family. And then Merry Christmas. Oh, tidings of comfort and joy. Perhaps Christmas seems just a bit awkward. Like it's this unofficial ceasefire that life is really, really hard on both sides of Christmas, but just for a season or just for a day, we're just supposed to be focused on the most wonderful time of 
the year. Maybe you see this past year, 2016, as uniquely difficult. Perhaps you look back upon this year and taking into consideration some of the words of the headlines that I just rattled off, you think New Year's Day, quite frankly, can't come soon enough. Let's flush this year to where it belongs and hopefully pray for a better one in 2017. On the other hand, maybe you see 2016 is no different than any other year. People died, hearts were broken, hope was shattered, lives were lost, life was hard, people are desperate and in need of hope. And you look at me and you say, 2016 reminds me that there really ain't nothing new under the sun. Either way, perhaps Christmas, this Christmas or every Christmas, just seems awkward, as if it's an unnatural pause amidst the pain of the other 364 days of the year. How does Or even the question, does Christmas fit into all of this? Not just this Christmas, but the Christmas, right? What we celebrate. Does Christmas fit into the suffering and the pain and injustice that on any other day of the year seems to be louder than any carol or tradition or drummer boy? If it does fit, then how? Well, what I want to do is I want to read to you four verses from that text that I read before from Galatians chapter four. Let me read to you four verses and let's see if these verses can't answer some questions perhaps you might have brought in with you to this service. Galatians chapter four, beginning in verse four. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Perhaps you're wondering, even if, even if God exists, I mean, it would be, I, I would be remiss as, as a pastor to stand before a crowd this large on a day when we certainly have different people coming to church Perhaps you want, or I would be remiss to just assume that we're all on the same page as to whether or not God exists. Maybe that's a question that you came in here with. Just, is there, is there a God? Uh, perhaps you're thinking, I don't, I don't think the passage he just read answers that question. In a, in a sense, you're right. But that's not really unique to this passage. Because, quite frankly, I would argue that there's actually not much ink used in the Bible to prove God's existence. The burden of proof isn't upon the Bible to prove God does exist. The Bible tells us that creation just echoes forth the fact that there is a God. Uh, The fact that no one is without excuse because just by looking at the design of our universe, we know that it doesn't just poof into existence, but that God created it, that there's an intelligent designer behind all intelligent design. Psalm 19 says the heavens declare the glory of God. God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Uh, Our conscience bears witness within us that we know there's a God. Common sense, which is what is given to us by God, tells us that nothing comes from nothing. Designs imply designers. Explosions rarely or never bring order. The Bible gets right to telling us about him, how to know him, how to please him with our lives. And his existence is, quite frankly, assumed. The burden of proof is not on the Bible to prove that God does exist. The burden of proof is upon the naysayer to say, well, then how do you explain the things that the Bible attribute to God? How do you explain creation? How do you explain 
order? How do you explain the things that the Bible speaks of if there was to not be a God? Galatians 4.4 says, but when the fullness of time had come, God. There it is. That's it. No no qualifiers, no footnotes, no cross-references to other scriptures in case the reader doubts he existed. God knows that you know he exists. You may be in denial. You may refuse to want to believe he exists because if he exists, then he has a right to tell you how to live your life and how to please him. But God knows that you know he exists because that's how he created you. He knows us better than we know ourselves. He created us and so He doesn't spend a lot of time or inspire the writers of Scripture to spend a lot of ink proving he exists. He knows you know, and so he moves on. But you might say, that's quite frankly not my question this Christmas. He he exists. My question is, so what? Fine, he exists. So what? In other words, does 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 he care about us? Great. God exists. Does he give a care? Right? Does he care about us? What's it to me? Lots of things exist, but that doesn't mean I'm, I'm cared for. Uh, it doesn't mean I'm valued. Saying he exists doesn't mean he cares. Does he exist and, and watch from afar? Remember the Bette Midler song? What song am I referring to? From a distance. Thank you, right? God is watching us. God is watching us from a distance. It's kind of an awkward song, right? It's like God is creeping on us from heaven, but he doesn't engage God is watching us from a distance. He's just, he's just removed from us and he's watching. He sees the terror. He sees the turmoil. He sees your trial and that's it. He just watches from a distance. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible does say, to your answer, does he care? Oh my. Christmas answers that question with an emphatic yes from the throne room of heaven. Listen to that verse again. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son. He cared enough to send forth his son. When the fullness of time had come at just the right time, when all the things were just perfect for God to do this, he showed not only that he exists, but that he most certainly does care because he sent forth his son. John 3.16, that's a very familiar verse, doesn't just tell us that God gave us his son. It says, for God so what? Loved the world. Loved the world. For God so loved the world. How much? He so loved the world that he gave us his only son. For God so loved the world that it brought about action. His love uh, within him, his love just rose up within him and compelled him to send forth his son. God didn't just send another prophet. God didn't just send another priest. God didn't just send another king. He sent his only son. As the perfect prophet, the perfect priest, the perfect king, not only does God care, he spared absolutely no expense in showing us he most certainly does care. Does God exist? Yes. Does he care? Oh my, yes. He cares so much. He loved the world so much that he would send not just one of his kids. He would send his what? His only son into the world for sinners like you and like me. Okay, so God exists. Great. You're right. I knew that. I kind of felt that. But does he care? Yes, he does care. Okay. But can he help? True. He does help. 
Can he help or is he just sitting on his hands, right? He cares, he exists, he cares, and he wishes he could do something. No. Look at Galatians 4, verses 4 and 5 again. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law. So God can help. He does not only exist. He doesn't just show up. He doesn't just care. He can help. Christmas doesn't just show us that God, that God exists. We have other means of knowing he exists. Christmas doesn't just show us that he cares. Christmas reminds us that he helps. He didn't just send his son in the world just to kind of throw his weight around, show what he can do as if to say, and for my next trick, I'll send my son through the womb of a virgin. Poof. And for my next trip, he's not just showing off what he can do. There was a purpose There was a plan. Verse 5 in that chapter says to redeem those who were under the law. Does God exist? Yes. Does he care? Yes. Can he help? Oh, yes. Because he sent forth his son to redeem those who were under the law. People go to stores for lots of different reasons. Some people just go to a store just to to check it out. People just go to the stores just to, to check it out. I know Rob's here, who's the uh, owner of the Antique Center next door. There's lots of people who walk through just to, just to check it out, just to see what might be there. Who has, who, who's brought something in? Sometimes I've gone recently. I went because I saw something that I would like, and it was gone. So, but I'm okay. I'm over that. It's fine. God is sovereign. He didn't want me to have it. Well, moving on. But we, we, we walk around. Some people go to stores, but not everybody's there to buy. Uh, some people go to stores to buy. Some people go to browse. Some people go to check it out. Maybe it's a new place. Maybe there's a new item. Maybe they've heard through word of mouth that this is someplace that's worth checking out. So they go to check it out. They go to browse. Maybe they get ideas for gifts. I don't know. Not everybody who walks into a store buys something. God didn't just come to earth to browse. God didn't just send his son just to make an appearance. God came to buy. God came to purchase. God came to redeem a people of his own. Jesus wasn't just some awesome teacher. He was more than that. Jesus was a miracle worker, but he was more than just that. You say, just a miracle worker, like raising the dead? You're going to say, just raise the dead? I'm saying he's more than that. He's, he's more than somebody who walked on water. He's more than somebody who healed the lame. He is more than somebody who can sympathize with me. He's a deliverer. He's our redeemer. He was sent into this world on the very first Christmas with his blood to purchase my soul from the pit of hell. Praise his mighty, mighty name. It's like we looked at last week, that baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and laying in a manger, like like countless sacrificial lambs before him, came to die once. To pay the penalty we owe God but could never pay on our own. That's why some of Jesus' last words before he died were, it is finished. It is paid in full, indicating that there was no more debt to pay for his people, for those whom he ransomed, for those whom believe, for those whom he calls, for those whom he justifies, for those whom he will glorify. Yes, God exists, But does he care? Yes, he cares. He sent his son to show us he cares. Can God help? Oh, he most certainly can and did. But that was then. And this is now. 
What about you? What about now? Maybe that's a question. You say, okay, I, I got all that. What about me? In other words, God exists, God cares, God can help and did help. But what about me? Galatians 4, 5 says that he came to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And in a sense, this is both easy and hard. It's easy in that it requires almost nothing on our parts to to receive something. Like I said before, this isn't like most gift exchanges you'll participate in tomorrow or in the days to come. There's, there's no exchange. There's, you bring nothing. You bring nothing to the table except the sin from which you need to be saved. You don't bring a promise. You don't bring a payment. You bring nothing to the table except your need. And that, quite frankly, as easy as it sounds, is the hardest for us because we're not naturally humble people. Isn't that when receiving is the most difficult? Isn't it the most difficult when someone brings you a gift that you weren't expecting and you're happy, but I can't be the only person. I just refuse to believe. If you tell me you can't relate to this, I'm just assuming you're lying. That if somebody, somebody brings you a gift that you weren't expecting, you're happy to get it, but you're not racing through your mind thinking, should I have gotten this person a gift? Did I get this person a gift? When's my next opportunity to get this person a gift? If I do get this person a gift, will it seem like it'll be late in coming? Because it will be late in coming because I didn't get them a gift. Please tell me I'm not the only person who does that, right? Just at least nod with me, right? I mean, that's just what you think. If somebody gives you a gift, you're excited for the gift, you're blessed by the gift, but sometimes you're thinking, oh, did I, should I, would, did we, honey, did we, how do we do, what? Receiving is hard. Receiving is hard. Receiving is hard. Just receiving is even harder. Receiving is hard, but receiving by itself, just receiving isn't hard. Excuse me, just receiving is even harder. But quite frankly, God is not interested in anything you think you can give. There's no exchange. It's simply receiving. Just like a child would receive, he wants us to do the thing that's the hardest for us as adults, the hardest for us as proud, stubborn adults, and that's to receive with empty hands. Empty hands. Empty hands, perhaps like the ones you see lifted before you. Hands that bring Nothing to the table, hands that show need, hands that any parent or grandparent knows just reach up saying, I just need, I just want, and I need. There's no real exchange. There's no, if you hold me, I'll maybe hold you later. It's, it's, it's just hands that just need, hands that would be just happy to receive because we show up empty handed. And that's what God calls us to do, to leave it all at home, to leave your good deeds, to leave your promises, to leave your bargains with God, to leave our spiritual resumes aside, to leave our pride and even leave our self-pity and to show up to the manger, to show up to the truth empty-handed in order to receive 
empty-handed so that we might receive, not trade, not give and take. Okay, I'll take a little bit of what God has, but I'll, I'll hold on to this or I'll, I'll hold on to that, that we would just show up empty-handed like we read in the beginning in John chapter 1, verses 12 and following. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. To all who, not, not talked him into it, not who earned it, not who finally got to a place in their life, to all who just showed him empty hands and received him. What difference will this make in your life? Well, I think you'll have more hope, and that's good. I think you'll have a lens with which you can better interpret life, especially the hardest parts, like the ones I briefly mentioned before that happened throughout this year. I think you'll have a peace that surpasses understanding. You'll have peace that guards your heart and your mind even without Answers, even before answers, even if answers never exist, God gives peace. I think you'll have the ability, you might see this uh, in, in other Christians, to have joy in trials when there's not really a reason for this person to be rejoicing. They rejoice because they know that God is in control. They're not rejoicing for the circumstance, but they're still able to rejoice in the circumstance. And all these things are good, and I could go on and on. But the best, the greatest part of receiving God's gift is that we receive how the verse ends. We receive adoption. Verse 5 says, to redeem those who are under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. No longer a slave. No longer a rebel. No longer an enemy. No longer a reprobate. But more than just, okay, now we're cool. We're fine. It's all right. More than just a friend of God's, you will no longer be a slave, but a son, your family. And if a son, then an heir through God. Christmas is God sending his son to us so that we might become his child. Sending us hope, sending us light into our dark lives, sending his one and only son so that you and me might become children of God. We show up bringing nothing. One more time. With empty hands, ready to receive the truth of God's word.
would you bow your heads for just a moment and allow me to pray? Let's just take just a little, just a moment. I know you've had a busy week. I know you've had a busy day. Let's just pray silently just for a moment, and then I'll lead us in a prayer. Just let God's Word sink into our hearts and our minds. Lord, it's at this time when I close my Bible and stop speaking with confidence that you continue to speak to your children, that you continue to call yours unto you, that you continue to change hearts and change minds, that you would work in the lives of your people, young and old, young and old, regular church attenders and people who haven't darkened the doors of a church for years, maybe even ever, work in their hearts now. And Lord, perhaps you would cause somebody to say, Lord, have mercy on me. Lord, open my eyes. Lord, I bring you nothing. Lord, would somebody perhaps even in their... Even in the silence of their hearts and in their minds right now, would they look to you and say, I bring nothing but empty hands and cause them to receive the gift that you sent. Lord, just like when the fullness of time had come, Lord, perhaps this is the fullness of time for people here who are here at just the right time to hear the word and respond to you. Lord, move in their hearts, move in their minds. Grant them the gift of eternal life for their very first real Christmas. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.